Daily, the podcast edition. Uh, tons of great guests on the show today. This first segment here, we did a nice little overview of what we had on the rest of the show. We talked about the impeachment potentially of Merrick Garland and Hunter, you know, Hunter Biden's involvement, where that came from. I don't think in this segment we did any Supreme Court uh, analysis. We saved that for later in the show. But we did give an overview of the number of illegal Im- immigrants who are here in America who are here on an overstayed visa. This is the question and, and becomes the fact of the day. If you listen, what percentage of people who are here illegally, what percentage of people who are here illegally are here on overstayed visas compared to coming across the border illegally? It's a shocking percentage. And John Binder had the numbers for that. So let's uh, do our overview, our initial opening segment of Breitbart News Daily. Here you go. stories today. The big story is that many House Republicans, and this seems to be gaining some momentum, have decided that uh, it might be a good idea to impeach the head of the Department of Justice, Merrick Garland. Do you remember Merrick Garland? You got to go back a bit. When Obama was on his way out of office, it was his last year of office, And Antonin Scalia passed away, Supreme Court Justice. And the left was thrilled because it's Scalia. But they're like, great, we get another Supreme Court pick. And one of the best things that Mitch McConnell has ever done was to not allow Obama's nominee to even be voted on in the Senate. And McConnell's argument was, oh, well, it's pretty close to the end of the term. I think it's best that we uh, let the American people decide who the next president should be, and the next president should be the one to fill this Supreme Court vacancy. And the Democrats freaked out because there's nothing they could do, but it was still kind of a long time until the end of his term. Right? It wasn't like there were two weeks left. There were 293 days. So Mitch didn't have to stay strong, but he did. And it was pretty impressive. And... I think the Democrats, they freaked out, but they didn't freak out too much because they knew Hillary Clinton would win. So they're like, okay, fine, we'll wait, and then Hillary will nominate whomever. And then Donald J. Trump won. (laughs) And he nominated Neil Gorsuch, and then we overturned Roe v. Wade. So Merrick Garland was the guy who Barack Obama nominated, hoping that he was like a, like a pretty moderate guy. Like, hey, everyone, I, I know you Republicans want to wait. Uh, that's the wrong thing to do. Here's a nice man. <laughs> Here's a moderate guy. I know you Republicans don't want to do this, but here's a guy who's in the middle. He's like a little on the, little on the left, a little bit of a Democrat, but he's not crazy psycho. It's not Sonia Sotomayor. It's a white guy and, and pretty moderate guy. Didn't work. Obama's plan didn't work. So Trump wins. Time goes on. Biden takes over the White House and named that Merrick Garland to be the head of the Department of Justice. 
And I, I didn't hear anything about Merrick Garland from any time during the Trump presidency. So still in my mind, right, it was like, oh, here's like a pretty moderate guy, I guess. Someone that is of high enough esteem that he would be even considered to be a Supreme Court justice. And he turned out to be as far left of a political hack as they come. And thank goodness he's not on the Supreme Court. So of all the Biden cabinet members that they could impeach, Mayorkas, head of the Department of Homeland Security, seems to be uh, have been at the top of the list. They haven't done that. Biden himself, there was a bit of a brouhaha on the House floor last week. Many Republicans don't think uh, it's appropriate to impeach Biden yet or at all. But there seems to be this momentum gaining over impeaching Merrick Garland for reasons that we will talk about later, in particular at 7 o'clock with Jonathan Gillum, who's a former FBI agent, because this involves whistleblowers and this whole thing. There's been two in particular. Two whistleblowers related to Hunter Biden and his taxes. Last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, Hunter uh, pleaded down to some very minor tax charges and will face no jail time with anything. And two whistleblowers say that they were involved, IRS whistleblowers say they were involved in the investigation of Hunter Biden's taxes and that the prosecutors slow walked the case against Hunter from orders of Merrick Garland. So they claim it was Merrick Garland who got involved in the investigation to prevent, to make sure that Hunter did not uh, face the consequences of what he did and what anyone else would have been charged with. Now, to be fair, Merrick Garland, let me quote him. He says, I'll talk about this with Jonathan in a little bit. He said, as I've said from the moment of my appointment as attorney general, I would leave the matter in the hands of the U.S. attorney who was appointed by the previous president and assigned to this matter by the previous administration that he would be given full authority to decide the matters he decided was appropriate, and that's what was done. So that's an interesting counterpoint, right? It's very easy to be like, oh, Merrick Garland, he's a hack. He put a hack in power to not press charges and or, or put his thumb on the scales, the whole thing. But then this Merrick Garland's like, I didn't even appoint the guy to investigate Hunter Biden. So I have nothing to do with this. In fact, he was appointed by Trump. All right, so we'll chat about that later. But what is the exact charge here from the IRS agents? There's one whistleblower whose name we know. There's another one whose name has been redacted. Let me quote from the wonderful Christina Wong, Breitbart.com. The whistleblower said Hunter Biden had already owed hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxes long before his father became vice president. In 2014, when Joe Biden was in his second term as vice president, in charge of Ukraine policy. And when Ukrainian natural gas company Burisma put Hunter on its board of directors, Burisma paid Biden $666,667 to do little or no work. So that's very interesting. So Hunter Biden put himself in position to be easily compromised by being so much in debt, so much, so much, uh, owing so much in taxes. So he was easy to be compromised. He was desperate. And Burisma saw an opening. According to the whistleblower, Hunter Biden received the money from Burisma, and instead of reporting it as income and paying taxes on it, he put the money into a Chinese firm run by one of his associates, who then loaned the money to Hunter Biden. 
voila, no, <laughs> no income tax is necessary because it's just a loan. It's not income. Oh, that's brilliant. Good for him. You've done that before, haven't you? Haven't your last, your last paycheck. Didn't you give it to your buddy who runs a Chinese company and then he gives it back to you in a loan? Listen, we're all in tough times. We all have to make ends meet one way or the other. And one way uh, I think most people have done it is by, by giving the money to Chinese firms and then having it loaned back. He's just like us. <laughs> in the world. So just to, just to be clear, gets this money from Burisma. Gives it to, I, I wonder what this Chinese company is. Is it a, is it a fake? Is it even real? Is it fake? Or what do they do? Do they make like cheap plastic crap? Like what, what is this Chinese firm at all anyway? And then that guy, like a business loans the money back to Hunter. So it doesn't need to be a dad. Well, that's great. That's great. Now, luckily for him in this matter, uh, 2014 is beyond the statute of limitations. So he's in the clear there. Uh, the whistleblower said the Department of Justice believed that Biden's defense, excuse me, the, the whistleblower said the Justice Depart Department believed Biden's defense that the money was a loan. And the whistleblower said, you can't loan yourself your own money <laughs> to avoid taxes. Oh, that's pretty good. All right, so we'll talk more about that coming up at 7 o'clock. But that's, I kind of did that backwards. I went from Merrick Garland down to Hunter Biden. I maybe should have told the story the other way around. The whistleblower was talking about Hunter Biden. That was that was the blowing of the whistle. Oh, and by the way, the reason he got off the hook was because the head of the Department of Justice got involved and said, don't charge him with any serious crime. Maybe that would have been a better way to tell the story, but you got it. Uh, coming up later, we'll also talk about the latest Supreme Court decision. I love Supreme Court decisions. Or I should say I'm fascinated by Supreme Court decisions. Uh, this one did not go uh, my way. <laughs> this one is regarding North Carolina. It's every state, but it was a North Carolina case about gerrymandering. And the 6-3 to three decision was not what Donald Trump or MAGA Republicans would have wanted. So we'll get to that coming up at 7.40. And then at 8 o'clock, we got a story about people who have overstayed their visa. I am so fascinated by this. This is the biggest issue when it comes to illegal immigrants, and no one ever thinks about it. No one ever thinks about people overstaying their visa because it's not as dramatic looking as giant caravans of people coming from Nicaragua, <laughs> right? When you like what, like what's a bigger scene, lots of people getting a student visa and then the visa expires and they just stick around working at Starbucks or, you know, 50,000 people on the top of a train traveling up through Mexico and camping out at the border. Like one of those is much more dramatic looking and feeling and sounding. Do you remember when it was, it was a year, year two, two years ago when uh, it was all the Haitians? Like there's like tens of thousands of Haitians at the border and they set up these camps that looked like Haiti. I don't even know what that means really, but like if you looked at these camps, like an aerial view of these camps, you'd be like, oh, that's Haiti. Like the way, there's the way they put the sticks together to make it, it's like crazy. So like that's a dramatic image. But what percentage of people who are here illegally do you think came across the border versus have, have overstayed their visa? Let me, let me be more clear. What percentage of people here illegally right now, what percentage of people here illegally overstayed their visa? So of all the people who are here illegally, and I guess there's only two ways, really. I guess you can sneak in or overstay your visa. Is there another way you can be here illegally? 
don't know. But let, let's just go with those two. So if those are the two. You can sneak across the border or you can just overstay your visa. What percentage of people here illegally right now have overstayed their visa? If you ask me this question, I would say, oh, I don't know. We never, we never hear about it. So 5%, like 5% five, 5 of the people here illegally overstayed their visa. Surely we must have protections against this. We're able to follow them, track them, check up on them. 5%, 62%. 62 62% of the illegal immigrants who are here right now are people who came legally in the first place with a visa, visa expired, and they just stuck around. And I don't know what this looks like. I think we have a pretty good idea of what illegal immigration across the border looks like, but I don't really know what overstaying a visa looks like. When I think of a visa, I think of a more higher income, higher skilled person. But that's, I don't even know if that's really true either because there's different types of visas. Well, you got like your H1B1 visa, which is your more like uh, like engineer, tech engineer kind of visa. Uh, but there's business visas and there's tourist visas and there's student visas. There's all different kinds. And I don't really care. It's all illegal. And I would argue that as much attention and money that we'd like to be thrown at the border to secure the border because that's top of mind. So as much money and attention as you wish we as a country and a federal government would put on the border, I think we need to put as much focus, attention and money on overstayed visas because that's a, at least more people here illegally are there because of that. I don't know what's quote unquote worse for the country, but maybe this. If for no other reason, the 9-11 hijackers were here on expired visas, lived in San Diego, took flight lessons in San Diego. When I lived in San Diego, the studio, the, uh, the little airport that they trained on was down the street. The, the, the uh, apartment complex they lived in was just right down the street from the radio studio. The mosque they went to, it was right there. It was like, it was like 200 yards away. And they were here on visas and they all expired except for one. There was one guy who was on a student visa. He was 19 and uh, he, his visa never, he, his visa did not expire, but he was enrolled in an English as a second language program and he never went to it. Isn't that part of the, <laughs> like, like shouldn't we be checking up on that? Like I know we got a lot going on. In America, Mr. Border Patrol, whoever checks up on this, like busy, but doesn't this need to be a part of the visa process? Is someone checking up on people? Hey, you're a student visa. You're on a student visa. You're here to be a student. Uh, we'll check in on you in a couple weeks and see if you're being a student. And if not, you're gone. I don't know why that was the you're gone sound effect. But. All right, so check this out. This is wild. So John Bender is going to be here later to talk about this. These are, this is Department of Homeland Security Statistics. Department of Homeland Security. 854,000 foreign nationals overstayed their visas last year. 854,000. Oh, so sorry. This was, sorry, take it back. 854,000 foreign nationals overstayed their visas from October 2021 to September 2022. So it would have been two years ago. More than 795,000 of them remain illegal aliens in the United States. So that's 60,000 left. What a bunch of chumps they are. See, this is the problem 
with allowing people to break the law. One of the problems with allowing people to break the law. Because eventually the people who do follow the law come to see themselves as chumps. And no one wants to be a chump. This is one of the problems with us as a society watching people steal from Walgreens. We just watch it. And the people are standing in line paying for things at Walgreens feeling like a chump. And eventually it's going to get to the point it's like, oh, you you pay for groceries? <laughs> okay, weird. You you pay for medicine? You go to Walgreens and you, you stand in line you pay for it? Wow. Oh, wait, you pay your taxes? You don't just funnel the money through Chinese companies and then receive it back as a loan? <laughs> okay, weirdo. Oh, your visa expired and you actually left? You followed the law of the country that you're living in and you, you followed the visa process and your visa expired and you left? <laughs> Loser. That's not that's not a good thing. We don't want to. All right, this is from Breitbart.com. Last year alone, more than 172,000 Venezuelans overstayed their visas. Why are Venezuelans getting visas? Uh, an overstay rate of more than 44%. <laughs> Likewise, uh, 16,750 Indian nationals overstayed their visas. 25,000 Dominicans, 14,000 Ecuadorians, 21,000 Chinese nationals, 22,000 Colombians. Good night. Does any... Like, it's just that does our does our federal government care? Are they checking up at all? What would it take for us to be able to check up on people? And gosh, I, I haven't really thought about the visa process. I imagine there's good reasons for it, but are we to the point where it is so abused that we can't even have it? I, I don't. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, how, how much abuse would there need to be before we say, "All right, what's what, what's the Trump line? We're going to stop all immigration until we figure out what the blank is going on." Like maybe we're at that point. It's like we gotta stop all visas until we figure out what the blank is going on with the visas and how we can actually follow up on people. Very interesting. Okay, we'll talk about that at eight. Uh, another story covering on Breitbart.com: the CEO of BlackRock, Larry Fink, he's at the Aspen Ideas Festival. <sighs> I didn't go this year. Said he's not going to be using the term ESG anymore. Environmental, social, and governance, ESG, because it's become politically weaponized. So well done. <laughs> well done, everyone, for weaponizing that term because it is a bad thing. Well, actually, we didn't weaponize it. It is a weapon. ESG is a weapon against businesses across this country. It is already a weapon. We called it out for what it was. We exposed it, and it has been exposed. Real quick, BlackRock. Uh, very simple terms as an investment company. So people give their money to BlackRock, BlackRock invests on their behalf. They control $10 trillion in investments. When I first read this, I was like, well, that can't be like that. that they got the right. And then every time I say it, I'm like, well, that <laughs> 10 trillion, what are you talking about? 10 trillion. That is more. I, like, I even, I say it now and I'm like, I know it's true. I have to look it up again. I can't. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, this is Bloomberg. BlackRock assets to top $15 trillion in five years, says Morgan Stanley. BlackRock assets exceed $9 trillion. That's, That is so insane. That is more 
than every country in the world's GDP except for America and China. So BlackRock controls more assets of businesses in America than the GDP of every other country in the world except for us and the biggest country in the world, China. Japan is third. Japan is the third largest GDP. It's $4 trillion. So BlackRock has two and a half times the assets of Japan's entire GDP. Holy cow. You throw in Vanguard and State Street, and they own more than half of the combined value of all shares of companies in the S&P 500. <laughs> wow. So when the CEO of BlackRock says jump target, these companies say how high? Because they own them. You're not the customer. You're not the customer of Cracker Barrel. When Cracker Barrel does this whole pride display and does a whole pride Instagram post by painting the rocking chairs rainbow, and it's like this whole like, and you're, you're like, what? what are you, Cracker Barrel? What? Well, sure enough, BlackRock owns 14% of Cracker Barrel. So it don't matter how many biscuits you've ever ordered. Doesn't matter how many platters you've ever ordered at the Cracker Barrel. It doesn't matter how many times you've thrown that little peg game across the room in disgust because I can never do it. You're not the customer at Cracker Barrel. BlackRock is. Breitbart.com on this article, they got a bunch of examples of how BlackRock has pushed their weight around with a bunch of different companies uh, over the years. Uh, J.D. Vance says he's on the Senate Banking Committee. He said the company should be dealt with accordingly for engaging in illegal and immoral conduct. But I guess a good first step is that they're not even going to be using the word ESG anymore. But don't worry, they'll come up with something else. It's not like they're giving up on the whole process. They're just using new terms, which is what the left always does. news podcast so in that end of that last opening monologue segment there we previewed the story from john binder about the amount of uh, people who are here illegally because of overstayed visas i want to play the full interview with john binder that we did later in the show and he provides much more detail and analysis enjoy john binder is here he's the breitbart news immigration reporter john how are you man mike thanks for having me there you go john i got you now hey man thanks for uh thanks for being here so give us the real number. It's not my guess of 5%. What percentage of immigrants who are here illegally are, came on a visa? Well, the, the long-held belief is that, you know, the, the estimate projection, unfortunately, the Department of Homeland Security doesn't really make these projections um, anymore, but they once did. Um, and that long-held belief is somewhere around 50% of all illegal aliens arrived, as you mentioned, initially on some kind of temporary visa where they have an expiration date. They're, they come into the country, you know, um, say today they're meant to leave, say, in the beginning of September of this year. Um, and hundreds of thousands every single year overstay their visas, and um, many never end up leaving the United States, and often with no reason to, because 
DHS hardly has any kind of process to track people down and deport them after they've overstayed their visas. Um, it's actually an incredibly dangerous policy. Many people will remember that a number of the 9-11 hijackers um, actually arrived on visas, mm-hmm. were given visas to come to the United States to train as pilots um, and you know go to flight schools in the U.S. and stayed on their visas, and many of them overstayed their visas at the time of uh, the 9-11 terrorism attacks. Yeah, they came on student visas, business visas, and tourist visas, and overstayed. I think, think, correct me if I'm wrong, the only one who didn't overstay their visa at the time was the guy who was on the student visa, but he came here to enroll in an English as a second language program and never did it, never went to it. So you would think, like, we still have TSA after 9-11, right? You would think after 9-11 we would have bumped up our visa uh, checking up on people. I would, like, we, know, we would know them, right? Like, I'm sure there's a database of the visas and when they expire and who's, exp- like, right? So why, why isn't there more effort to uh, police this? Right. Well, there is just there is a I mean, for so many decades now, there has been such a tremendous lack of resources um, put towards trying to deport illegal aliens throughout the United States. Um, And of course, that has, you know, sort of peaked under the Biden administration, um, which I mean, folks had such issues with the way the Obama administration handled immigration enforcement. I mean, opening the DACA program for one, um, but then also, you know, rearranging resources um, so as trying not to deport that many illegal aliens, you know, counting the removals directly at the border, returning people as deportations to increase the numbers of deportations annually. Um, Whereas the Biden administration is very open about their policy. Um, they are not interested in attempting to deport, you know, the 11 to 22 million illegal aliens living in the United States. Their intended goal is to deport as few people as possible. Uh, I'm reading here NPR stated that the number is 62 percent. So uh, more than half, more than half of the people who are here illegally mm-hmm. are here on an overstate visa. That's wild because I, I like any fact that changes my perception, right? We all have different perceptions of things. And when someone comes in with some fact and it's like, oh, wow, that's very different than I thought. Uh, I don't hear any right. attention given to this, right? All we, we put all of our attention and time and money on the southern border. But over mm-hmm. that's less than half of the problem. Now, maybe a different kind of problem. Like I wonder what the differences are in the, the types of people, if you will. Who come across the border illegally versus overstay visas? I, 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 I'm, I'm curious what the the demographics and the income and the what. I don't really care. I'm just curious because it's still illegal. Mm-hmm. But I feel like well, the Republicans should be spending more time on on overstayed visas. And if nothing else, that will get rid of the accusation that we're doing it just because we hate Mexicans or something like that. Yes. No. You're you're exactly right. And to give you an idea, in fiscal year 2022, there were more than, well, about 854,000 
people that overstayed their visas, thus becoming illegal aliens living in the United States. For comparison, in fiscal year 2015, you had about 482,000. Really? We're talking about almost a doubling of visa overstays over that very short time period. Wait, sorry, Um, what what was that first year you said? You said 2015 was the... The other year you gave? 2015. Wow. 2015 was about 482,000 visa overstays annually. Yeah, so word, word is mean, spreading you, you, among the visa. Yeah, yeah, word is spreading among the visa community. Like, why, why would you leave? Like, what, what your, your visa expired. Who cares? Like, don't be a chump. Don't leave. You can just stay forever. Right, right. That's exactly right. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct. And this does affect different populations. I mean, at the U.S.-Mexico border, you are getting, you know, I mean, it, once upon a time, it was mostly illegal aliens from Mexico. Um, now it is, in, you know, almost entirely illegal aliens coming from Central America, Honduras, you know, El Salvador and Guatemala. Um, but, I mean, the Venezuelan population is has a tremendous visa overstay rate. I mean, you're talking about last year alone, more than 172,000 Venezuelans overstayed their visas to remain in the United States. So Um, You have a lot of Indian nationals, and you have a lot of Chinese nationals that overstay their visas. So you wrote here in the article, last year alone, more than 172,000 Venezuelans overstayed their visa, that's an overstay rate of 44%. So that means double that. We, we gave visas to twice as many as that number in a year. Is, is that right? Right. Whoa, that's crazy. Why? Okay, I don't know this answer. Uh, wh- what are the types of visas? Do you know off the top of your head, like, what kind of visas there are? Oh, sure. I mean, people call it alphabet soup. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like trying to say LGBTQI plus whatever. (laughs) I mean, there's so many visas programs that people arrive on. Um, I mean, you have tourist visas, B1, B2 visas, like you mentioned, many of the 9-11 hijackers arrived on. You have um, business pleasure visas. Um, You have student visas. Um, which there's a tremendous overstay rate with student visas now. Um, People arriving from India and China staying on their student visas. Um, You have H-2A visas, H-2B visas, agricultural visas. Um, You have H-1B visas, the so-called high-tech visa, which is essentially an outsourcing program. Um, I mean, there's so many visas uh, that you have expiration dates to leave the United States. It is a temporary visa because it is meant to be temporary, um, but it becomes permanent for a lot of people. Um, you also have temporary protected status, which is hysterical that it is called temporary protected status because it, some of these TPS programs um, have been in place since like 1993 to keep huge portions of Hondurans, El Salvadorans, Haitians in the United States for going on like four decades now (laughs) because they had an earthquake or something 25 years ago. Mm. Um, It is hardly temporary. And that is the unfortunate case with many of these legal immigration visas. It said you legally come to the United States, 
and you end up overstaying and you're now an illegal alien. So oftentimes the talking point of legal immigration is perfectly fine and there's nothing wrong and it's all good. Um, and illegal immigration is the problem. Well, this would dictate otherwise. There are yeah. huge Ooh. problems with our legal immigration system. Yeah. Wow. I think of what was what was what was Trump referring to when he said, "Oh yeah, it was the Muslim." It was a, uh, he said, "We need a total and complete shutdown of Muslims entering the United States until we figure out what the blank is going on." <laughs> right? That? Like. I, like I, I've always had a positive impression of the visa program. I, I, it, it must, it must be on on the net good on the right. I, I don't know, but but maybe we need a total and complete shutdown until we figure out what the blank is going on, and think about can we even enforce it? Can we have? Should we have a thing that we can't properly enforce? Is that the question? Well. Right. That's a very good question. Should the federal government be asking themselves that? Should our visa programs um, depend on the overstay rates? So, for instance, I mean, this huge portion of Venezuelans, you know, close to 200,000 Venezuelans overstaying their visas last year. That is a tremendous figure. Um, should our this year now Yes. Fiscal year 2023, uh, 2023, should our visas to Venezuelans rely on that overstay rate? Should that inform our ability giving out yes, visas right. to Venezuelans? Yeah, yeah. Like, say, it like, probably listen, should. Sorry, Venezuela. <laughs> like, Venezuelans, sorry, you guys screwed it up. Like, you you blew it. 44% of you guys don't follow the rules and you 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 stay when you're not supposed to. So... We just like this is why you can't have nice things, Venezuela. Sorry, like we can't, like right? Isn't that an appropriate thing? To, meanwhile, you over here, you uh, I don't know Israelis or whatever. Uh, you guys have a ninety-seven percent follow the rules rate, so you're allowed. Are you? Um, I don't know. Name another country. You're from. Uh, gosh, I can't even name a country. Yemen was the first one. I gave. I don't know. Whatever. You other country. You uh, you guys are fine. You follow the rules, so you're good. Like that seem that has to be okay, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, you would think that our overstay rates, depending on country by country, would inform um, if we are going to be, you know, liberal with giving out visas to yeah. nationals from that specific country. I mean, why would we go out of our way to bring people to the United States who have such a massive, who run a huge risk of never leaving after their visa expires? Um, I mean, there's whole countries that we probably it's alarming that we give so many visas to china for instance the number of student visas that are rewarded chinese nationals every single year knowing the risk of you know uh compromising state secrets and intelligence um i mean we hear about these cases over and over and over again in the universities where Chinese national, you know, arrested, charged by the Justice Department, arrived on a student visa um, and was, you know, of course, um, <laughs> trading, try, you know, doing spy craft for the Chinese Communist Party. I mean, it happens so often. And do those things end up informing our visa policy, our legal immigration system to say, hmm, maybe we should look at what's the issue with um, Chinese nationals arriving on student visas to the United States? What percentage end up 
being arrested for being spies or, um, you know, handing over state secrets to the CCP. Maybe we should look at that. Yeah. And you Chinese people, you need to figure this out amongst yourselves before we allow uh, more of that. Wow, that's amazing. Okay, John, I'm grateful for your reporting on this. Um, I hope the Republican candidates for president uh, elevate this as a part, it, within the immigration discussion. I, haven't, I don't hear a peep mm-hmm. about it. So maybe even something can be said about it, if not even more important than what's going on at the border. Uh, John Bender, uh, immigration reporter at Breitbart.com, of course. John, appreciate you. Thank you so much. Thank you. And you can see the numbers on uh, Breitbart.com. Foreigners overstaying their visas hit record number under Joe Biden. It's right there. Pretty wild, too, that you get a, uh, like Haitians or whatever. <laughs> there was an earthquake in 1976, and uh, they, they have temporary status here in America ever since. And now, of course, their kids, now grandkids, have been born here. Uh, so they're citizens and all the rest. It's crazy. Crazy. But isn't that wild? Like per- the perception, our perceptions, my perception is way off. I see the caravans at the border. I was like, oh, well, that's most of the immigration. No, it's not. The visas. I'm American made. I got American parts. Hey, thanks for listening to the Breitbart News Daily podcast. Something we're going to talk about tomorrow is a great article that Alex Marlowe wrote on Breitbart.com about Bidenomics keep talking about infrastructure without actually building. So just like, oh, infrastructure, infrastructure, infrastructure. Okay, where is it? Oh, well, um, record investments. Okay, what, what do we got to show for it? Great stuff. We'll talk more about that on the show tomorrow. Spread the word. <laughs>